Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying only on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices, to be found only in the minds of men. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you, you the people have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had been and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children. Music, television, books. Prey on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an efficiency? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. Genetic power is the most awesome force the planet's ever seen, but you wield it like a kid that's found his dad's gun. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc is now in the possession of the Army. Too many others know what's happening out there, and no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. About time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Across the gulf of space, intellects vast and cool and unsympathetic regarded our planet with envious eyes. Each of us, when separated, is always looking for our other half. And the desire and the pursuit of the whole is called love. Heart perception will change everything. Freedom is the privilege to be right. Freedom from the disasters of our mistakes.
Broadcasting from the Sonoran Desert, I'm your host Ryan Gable, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings Radio, airing five nights a week, Monday through Friday, 10 p.m. to midnight Pacific, on GroundZero.radio and the Aftermath FM app. You can search The Secret Teachings on any radio or podcast player and listen to the show that way after the initial broadcast. Or you can visit our website at www.thesecretteachings.info and find the free archive there as well. If you'd like to get rid of those advertisements in the free archive, you can subscribe to the full archive with montages, my digital books, and a private RSS feed at www.thesecretteachings.info. If you'd like to contact the show, rdgable at yahoo.com and tstradio at protonmail.com. Those are the two emails. We still have our Black Friday Christmas special going on. It's $40 for the yearly subscription. You'll find that also on the website and our social media pages, as always, on Facebook forward slash the name of the show and on Twitter at TST underscore underscore radio. Last night's show, if you missed it, was called Unclean Birds of Babylon. It's a reference to a verse in the book in the Bible, Revelation revelations of the end times, the apocalypse, the birds of Babylon refers to the unclean spirits of Babylon, the idea of the whore of Babylon, those types of things. And I related that as I've done in the past to the cesspit that is Twitter as a social media company and social media in general, not just Twitter, but look at how TikTok services China as opposed to how it services the West. In China, you see the promotion of family and the promotion of mathematics and technology and science and all of that. But in the West, you see pornography and you see everything's about materialism. It's the opposite of spiritualism, if you will. Social media in general has, over the last, what, 10 years or so, I'm kind of new to the social media game, so what, about 10 years, has become the dominant platform where most people get their information. And as a result of that, it has led to a redefining, for some people at least, of what free speech is, of what uh, the ability to publish information, like a free press, what a free press really is all about. I don't think I need to tell you this because we discussed it last night and because I think most of you know this, every single civil liberty That's different than a civil right. Every single civil liberty or human right is being redefined and reclassified. Free speech, free press, the ability to protest, along with self-defense and due process, have been captured. They've been put down the memory hole and only preserved in an echo chamber of rabid cult ideology like straw men. Because those in power will tell you what exactly is a protest. A violent demonstration or a riot can be labeled a protest, but a peaceful protest can be labeled a riot or an insurrection or a combination of those things. Free speech can only be free if everybody has it. Otherwise, it's not free speech. But under the guise, under the label of free speech, some politicians and some powerful people Go to social media platforms. Mark Zuckerberg told you this on Joe Rogan and tells them, beware of 
Russian disinfo or Russian propaganda or Russian misinformation or whatever the word they choose, disinfo, misinfo, malinformation, etc. We've seen now with Elon Musk releasing a number of the so-called Twitter files that everybody from the Biden team prior to the 2020 election all the way over here to the Secretary of State in Arizona, all the way up to the state of Washington, the Secretary of State there, both went to Twitter and asked to censor, block, ban, and delete information from Twitter that they didn't like. That's not free speech. And the only way they can justify that type of censorship is by saying that that free speech is really disinformation and misinformation, and that it's harmful, that it's malicious. And that's what we talked about last night. Who gets to define what is, what is free speech? What is free protest? What is self-defense? What is due process of law? They've been turned into straw men. And you know that fallacy. You know that idea. The people in possession of these liberties turn speech into hate, press into propaganda, protest into rioting, and self-defense into an issue of social justice where criminals are coddled and law-abiding citizens can't defend themselves, property, or their families. They suspend the rule of law for anyone refusing to adhere to or to join their cult. It's an echo chamber largely run through social media that allows for narratives to be formed, which fundamentally shape public perception and opinion, and they influence uh, heavily. They influence uh, the way that we choose to vote or choose to support certain groups or poli- uh, politicians uh, uh, or uh, companies, etc. And this echo chamber is guarded by sock puppets, Trolls and bots, and those are not just random terms. Sock puppet is a real term that the U.S. government uses to identify those who are operating officially uh, fake Internet accounts to influence public perception. This could be done for business reasons, military reasons, etc. It started in the military back in the early 2000s. And uh, this system um, is one in which they get to define who has the ability to exercise their civil liberties or their human rights, etc. I mean, when the FBI says that revolutionary war imagery is a sign of militia violent extremism, that means everything from the New England Patriots to your history book is a potential sign that you are a terrorist. Like those old government papers, what were they called? They were like alerts from the Department of Homeland Security. If you pay in cash when you buy coffee or if you wear blue jeans, you could be a terrorist. Like the Jeff Foxworthy joke, you could be a redneck. If you wear blue jeans, you could be a terrorist. That's official from the government from about, what, two decades ago. That was during the Bush administration. When the White House says, if you perceive that the government is overreaching, this is a quote, perceived government overreach. They say that's a sign of domestic violent extremism. When these things happen, you know that your country has been hijacked by foreign actors simply flying your flag. And this is the thing that really gets me. I'm not a Donald Trump supporter at all. I did like a few things he did, but overall I was not a Trump supporter. I think he failed monumentally as a a leader. And Donald Trump recently said that, based on the Twitter files, if there was sort of a, a collusion between technology companies and government then there's a fraud and then we perhaps should suspend the normal rule of law only to the, the degree uh, for which we have a new election or the person who was uh, the victim of that fraud himself uh, would become president again. 
we don't have really a precedent for that. And uh, I don't think that that's going to happen. A lot of people live on that hopium. Uh, but the point is, it's an idea that we need to we need to think about for a second. If the election really is, you know, totally fraudulent, if there's malfeasance, if the rule of law is broken and abandoned and, you know, if your vote really doesn't count, then you don't really have a democracy. Uh, you don't really have a rule of law. You have a failed state. And this is the the thing that I want to use to get us into tonight's topic. I've got my good friend and co-host tonight, Joseph Lavelle, joining us in just a second. And I want to start with this. We talked about the Bali Declaration last week on the show. The name of that show is Making a Declaration and Checking It Twice. That's from the 30th of November. This declaration from the G20, much like if you go to the White House website and type in Declaration for the Future of the Internet, which deals with free speech and things like that, these declarations, although this is on the White House website, this was signed by, I think it was 55 countries. And um, it's like our founding documents. And this document and the G20 declaration and the UN agreement and Agenda 2030, all of those things talked about in the, in the Bali declaration, uh, all of those things are international agreements, which, you know, if you have a treaty, that's one thing. But having an international agreement that seems to absolve uh, or dissolve, I should say, I think that's a better word, dissolve national and state sovereignty. That seems treasonous to me. That seems like a violation of the most basic uh, fundamental components of the rule of law. I'm talking about America, the United States in particular. Yet the mainstream media has painted a question of election integrity in the case of Donald Trump as he is, they called him an uneducated person who doesn't understand the Constitution, who doesn't understand the rule of law, and who is all these other terrible things, which maybe Trump is some of those things. I don't really care because I'm not a supporter of Donald Trump. However, I'm a supporter of free speech, and I'm a supporter of if there are illegal activities, then that needs to be addressed. It doesn't matter who's involved and who the victim is. But my question is, how is it that Donald Trump doesn't like the U.S. Constitution, yet he's the one that pulled the U.S. out of the WHO and pulled the U.S. out of the Paris Agreement, and yet quietly while that's happening, Joe Biden is asleep putting his rubber stamp on the Bali Declaration, which literally is just a continuation of the George Bush Sr. UN agreement, uh, the Agenda 21 and Agenda 2030, which are both mentioned by, by name. Well, the Agenda 2030 is mentioned by name in the Bali Declaration, which just upends state and national sovereignty and agrees to merge every country, whoever signed this at the G20, all the G20 countries, to merge them into a global governing body. So that, I'm pretty sure, eliminates our, quote, Constitution. Joseph, it seems like the Constitution is only a viable issue uh, when it's political. And it's only a viable issue when uh, one particular individual or a particular political party does something that the other party in power doesn't like then suddenly the Constitution matters. But nobody really wants to acknowledge that it's both sides. George Bush waged endless war without congressional approval, uh, endless uh, uh, warrantless wiretaps. The Obama administration continued that, expanded drone strikes. Trump extended that. He sold arms to Saudi Arabia, continued the drone strikes in uh, other sovereign nations, uh, and Biden has continued the same. So, it doesn't really seem like any president 
or any political party, neocon, liberal, whatever you want to call them, cares about the Constitution until they can use it to their political benefit, which is really sacrilege. Joseph Lavelle, welcome to the show. I know I've spoken a lot, but but your take, my friend. Oh, thanks for having me on, Ryan. Uh, always good to, good to talk with you. I think this is the first time I'm on uh, Ground Zero Radio with you. So, yes, it that's is. pretty cool. Welcome. Congratulations. Uh, also, yeah, no, it's crazy just everything that's going on. I mean, I guess if you're a student of history and you've been aware of all of this, then I guess it probably shouldn't be surprising because it's just all this stuff keeps happening over and over again. You have everybody using the law to benefit them and then saying we should break, break and tear down the law in order to preserve democracy. So we have all these contradictions that go on, like you said, between Republicans, Democrats, whoever, whoever it is. So, uh, very, very, it's the precedent, I guess. And we'll continue to keep going, I guess, because I don't really see anybody on the horizon that can break this cycle. It just seems to be too many public, basically too many special interests going on, you know, to basically come, come against the powers that be you, you see basically. this you see this just i mean twitter is one small example but it's also big corporations in general have colluded and again not social media but big companies you know retail stores have essentially colluded with government during the pandemic to shut down all other competition all of their competition all small businesses under threats of fine under threats of arrest and then these same politicians both republican and democrat that advocated and threatened for those stores and those businesses to be shut down are now the same ones. I've just seen Gavin Newsom uh, in California making this statement earlier today about how they're, these companies are greedy and these companies, they don't, they don't care about you and uh, he's going to fight these big corporations, but it's like his policies drove those corporations into record profits so how can he be opposed to those corporations? You know, it, it doesn't really make any sense. It is very contradictory. And it's almost like there is just a merger already. It's not merging. There is a merger already. A, a, as Mussolini said, true fascism, corporations in the state have already merged. They control everything with the big banks at the top. Right. And uh, corporations basically are making a ton in California uh, because of the policies that they implement. People can walk out of the store with carts full of groceries and nobody does any prosecuting of them. They continue to raise the prices. So moral individuals are now burdening the cost of basically criminal activity. Uh, meanwhile, the stores are making record profits, which means that they're also paying record taxes to the government. So it's a mutually beneficial system for both government and large corporations. Meanwhile, if you're a small business and you want to, say, sell groceries, well, those same laws are still in effect where the police don't arrest people walking out of the store with, say, I don't know what the, the exact number is, but say 200 bucks in groceries. Well, a small business can't really stay profitable because they don't have the multinational status that many of these large companies do that have, you know, more strict rule, rule of law in different states. Like, say, I'm up here in Idaho. Uh, that doesn't really happen up here. So basically, 
they kind of used up a profit up here to kind of offset some of those losses down there. Well, so, you know, they raised prices like romaine lettuce, even conventional romaine lettuce. I saw it last night uh, in California now is going for six bucks a head. So it's just people who are actually paying the cost are subsidizing those who are basically just walking out with, with free groceries and basically making a living off of. I don't, I mean, I don't know what it is in Arizona, but I know in Tucson, it's like 800 bucks or something you can st- you can steal from a store and the police won't do anything and it's like it's almost like it's made uh, it's made into a, a PR campaign it's like they let the people know hey you can do this to encourage it which is you know really weird <laughs> cuz like i know that i right. can i can walk into any store because well i was told by the news <laughs> i can just steal 800 dollars worth of stuff and as long as I steal, you know, seven ninety nine or at eight hundred, they they literally will not touch me. Right, and those laws that will continue to perpetuate the system, and there will be more calls for universal basic income along with this. There will be more calls for basically they'll say to crack down on these large corporations making record profits, but it's just a front. It's they'll get these tax breaks because they go along with the agenda that is set by these multinational entities like the UN and the G20 that basically happened. You got the World Health Organization and all these global bodies basically saying, if you do this, we'll treat you with favorable status. And so they continue to just allow these sorts of things to happen because it's just a giant ploy to get small business crushed as we saw with the pandemic it wasn't about health at all it was basically expanding the multinational fascist state whatever you want to call it it's authoritarian basically consolidating power from the top down so that way the small guy is crushed and has no way to compete and the businesses create these favorable tax breaks and incentives and on and on that way the power continues to get expanded through through these means and create this global fascist authoritarian, you say communist, whatever term you want to use state that benefits the few at the expense of the many. Well, as we were talking about yesterday on the phone, we were talking about China and how China isn't, I mean, I call them communists. They still are communists, but they're more so technocrats. And when Henry Kissinger went there uh, back in what was it? The seventies, uh, and really introduced China and opened China up more so to the West. That they implemented certain elements of capitalism, crony capitalism, and it became a technocracy. And that's really what we're seeing being built as China. Klaus Schwab of the World Economic Forum, we discussed this last week, said that China is the, quote, role model for most countries. Uh, most countries, he means developed countries that have resources and wealth to loot. Uh, He's not interested in imposing the Chinese model on undeveloped countries, which are usually authoritarian hellholes anyway. So China is the role model, he said, for the rest of the world because China is a technocratic police state. And that is being exported and has been exported to large parts of the world, including the United States over the last handful of decades. We've seen what's happened in the Middle East with ongoing wars since at least the 1990s. We've seen a lot of that be exported back to the United States. Everything from those big blimps they used in Afghanistan to monitor hundreds of miles of land. They use those at the southern border now. Not that they do much. 
uh, to uh, you know the general uh, domestic spying. We have to spy on Americans because, well, and we have to do it without any warrants because these Americans could be terrorists. Uh, as they say, the chickens have come home to roost. But this is technocracy is the point. It's it's a technocratic authoritarian state. You can call it fascist, communist, whatever you want to call it, but it's it's authoritarianism. The people lose either way, and the big government and the big corporations, the big banks, they're the ones that make out in the end. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you could even go back further than before the 1970s. You could go back to the 1950s, 60s, all the way through the 80s in uh, Latin America, basically the CIA deposed and overthrew governments and installed authoritarian leaders that would basically answer to the United States essentially and have this sort of siphoning of resources, which seems to be the ultimate goal, basically siphon resources to wherever those in charge deem it necessary to go. And you basically break down the rule of law everywhere, overthrow the government, install a friendly dictator and say that it's democracy in that way you can continue to maintain control in those areas well this is obviously in my opinion i say obviously to me it's obvious obviously this is what's been happening in our country in the united states it is uh, basically an exporting or rather an importing of those policies implemented in those countries as you said i'm thinking john perkins economic hitman type stuff uh, of those policies imported back to the United States. Uh, and it's the same thing that we're seeing with the so-called Twitter files with secretaries of state, uh, with, uh, at the time, uh, Joe Biden was running for president. They asked Twitter to censor stories. Facebook was asked by the FBI to censor stories. That's the same kind of thing that's happened in Brazil. Uh, the Brazilian people are protesting by the tens of millions because they know that their, their election uh, was fraudulent. Uh, because Bolsonaro, uh, well, the global elite didn't like him, so they've installed a, literally, a, a criminal uh, who, I guess, according to the Brazilian Constitution, can't even hold office. He's been installed as the new leader, even though they know that he didn't win the election. The people know he didn't win the election. It's the same kind of a thing that's happening all over the world, and it's being run, and I think this is the irony of it. People that hate banks, People that hate big corporations seem to be the biggest advocates for big banks and big corporations, Joseph. It doesn't make any sense. It's like cognitive dissonance. Something's messed up here. Some wires crossed. Right. And they used probably the last few years during the pandemic to basically get people to be in so much fear that it basically shuts down your critical thinking ability. Mm -hmm. And your critical thought is shut down. You can be susceptible to do all sorts of things that you would have never done otherwise. Uh, it's kind of like uh, Matias Desmond talks about mass formation, essentially. And he's, he's used examples in Iran where a mother basically hung her own child for the Iranian state because they basically continue to double down because you can't, you know, when you're in this state of consciousness, you can't admit that you are wrong and you will continue to go down this path on and keep doubling down. I mean, it's the exact same thing that the elite do, but it just basically gets funneled down to the average citizen. Like we're all human. We all are susceptible to this, this form of thought. This is all based on psychology uh, and they understand the psychology, how to manipulate it. And uh, that is the basis of what I would call trauma-based mind control. I'm Ryan Gable. Secret teachings is 
The show that you're listening to right now, thesecretteachings.info, is our website. My good friend and co-host Joseph Lavelle joins us this evening. More after this. Don't go anywhere. The Secret Teachings radio show is on Facebook and Twitter. Just search facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings to like us and TST underscore underscore radio to tweet with us. If you enjoy The Secret Teachings and want to hold years of Ryan's research in your hands, visit the website and grab a physical and digital copy of Ryan's books. Occult Arcana will introduce you to sacred myths, folklore, magic, and alchemy. A technological elixir will take you from transhumanism and AI to black goo and UFOs. Food philosophy will change your mind about what we call food, germ theory, and geoengineering. And remember, shipping is always included. Some restrictions exist for international. Visit thesecretteachings.info. From Ground Zero to The Secret Teachings. Keep your dial tuned to Ground Zero Radio. If you'd like to hear more of The Secret Teachings, if you missed a show or part of a show, sign up to the ever-expanding archive at thesecretteachings.info. When you subscribe for a month or a year, you get access to the full show archive to every show after it airs. You can download and stream unlimited episodes and share your login with friends or family. With your subscription, you can also get access on the website to all of Ryan's digital books and the ever-growing montage archive. Just visit thesecretteachings.info and click on the Donate Subscribe tab at the top of the page. Use the secure PayPal link and start your membership today. By subscribing, you support The Secret Teachings, Ryan, and yourself. This is one of the best discussions I've been on in a long time. You guys are right on it. Howdy, this is Joe Mars, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. If anyone can hear this broadcast, I'm still on Earth. This is the frequency of Ground Zero Radio, Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis, and The Secret Teachings with myself, Brian Gable. are listening to The Secret Teachings. I'm your host, Ryan Gable. My good friend and co-host, Joseph Lavelle, is with us this evening. Joseph, I wanted to ask you about the International Monetary Fund. Back in April, the IMF said this. This was the uh, director of the IMF. We didn't think about the consequences of printing too much money. Uh, At that time, we did recognize that printing of that money, that may lead to too much money in circulation, too few goods, but didn't really quite think through the consequence in a way that upfront would have informed better what we do. And then back in 2020, Melinda Gates, wife of or former wife of Bill Gates, made a similar statement. And this woman has no background in anything, but she was married to Bill Gates, so she's in the family. So the New York Times published this statement from Melinda Gates What did surprise us about the pandemic, what did surprise us, is we hadn't really thought through the economic impacts. That's a quote. So here you have Melinda Gates and the director of the IMF both saying we didn't really think about the consequences of printing too much money. We didn't really think about the consequences of shutting down the economy, of disrupting supply chains, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I mean... I I would think the IMF director would understand basic economic principles. I guess not. But is this perhaps the reason that we have so many economic issues, not just inflation, 
that the director of the IMF and Melinda Gates are like, yeah, we didn't really think about the consequences. We just decided to do it anyway. I mean, that's criminal, I feel. It's not just negligence. Right. They got their hand caught in the cookie jar, uh, metaphorically speaking. They basically had theories about what would happen. They've never printed this much money in history, so they probably could honestly say they didn't know what the real result would be uh, because there's all these different theories floating around out there about monetary monet MMT. Um, basically, they could print money without consequence. There's been a theory. Uh, basically, they just wanted to test this model and see if, if it would work without causing massive disruptions and in inflation and continue to basically give money to certain individuals without causing any consequences for their actions. Uh, so it's kind of like it was, the kind of like the yeah. 2008 bailout where the banks got hundreds of billions and people had to suffer. Right. So basically the, yeah, the banks, you know, created this financial calamity that was basically based around the mortgage industry. And then the mortgages all went bust because they were making these income only stated loans. Uh, you could state whatever you could, you could state, I make a million dollars a year and they'd give you the loan. Yeah, well, they can't really afford that house payment. So all these houses went under. So it caused a crash in the housing market to basically cause the price to be rediscovered economically speaking to what the market will actually bear. Well, what they did basically propped up what they did before by bailing out the banks because the banks should have been on the hook for all these losses. But instead, they bailed them out and allowed them to continue to do what they've been doing. But they said that they fixed the problem because the banks are safe and the whole financial system didn't collapse. Uh, so houses, that's where you saw all the inflation go. They printed the money and it went into that sector. It's and like that, what happened. With- didn't that allow banks to basically then, when they foreclosed on those homes of the people they know who couldn't pay those mortgages, they were able to gobble up real assets and real physical things that were actually worth more than just paper money on top of getting the hundreds of billions in bailouts. Right. So they basically sold them at a very high price with these loans. And then they basically repackaged these loans and sold them off to each other. And then the market crashed and then they bought them at the bottom of the market. And then basically were able to hang on to them for a little bit. And investors did this anyways. And then made a huge profit, and then we saw that continue during the during the pandemic. It just went, was on steroids because all the money was basically being driven into real estate. Uh, and then it's the same thing with the IMF and all these, you know, the the CARES Act and all the stimulus money throughout the entire world. It all went to individuals in the form of stimulus checks. Well, wherever the money goes is where you're going to see inflation. Average individuals buy food energy, housing. So all those areas, we see massive inflation right now because there's a higher supply of money. It's a single pot of goods and services in the, either the local economy or the global economy. And if you increase the supply of money, well, there's more money chasing the same amount of goods. And people actually, because they got more money, decided to stop working. So they were contributing less. Mm-hmm. So the pool of goods was actually shrinking, which then 
caused the prices to go up even quicker than they otherwise would have. So they didn't really see these consequences. And that's probably why they're not going to do another round of stimulus again. We've seen it kind of stop and there's been nothing in the past, but since 20, early 2021, um, they'll just continue to give stimulus to these mega corporations as they had in the past, because this, this UBI didn't really, work out the way that they thought that it would. You know, I remember when this was being handed out, this pandemic stimulus, and this was under Trump and it's been under Biden. And I remember being at the little grocery store I worked at and people knew that I had very strong views on these things. And I said, I'm not taking that money. And I remember talking to people who were, you know, most of the people that worked at this business, Joseph, were very anti-Trump. So I would I was asking them, like, you guys hate Trump. Are you going to take that stimulus money? And then they had some stupid excuse. And I said, I'm not taking it because I'm not going to pay the tax on it. They said, oh, no, no, you don't have to pay taxes on it. It's just free money. I said, there's no such thing as free money. Somebody has to pay for it at the end of the day. Well, there's no taxes. They said you don't have to pay taxes on it. I said, well, I'm not talking about that kind of tax. I'm talking about an inflation tax because you're going to have to pay it back at some point, regardless if you're paying the IRS or you're going to have to pay some business for a product because prices went up. I'm talking about that tax. The more you people that accept that money, the worse the problem is going to get. And people just couldn't understand that idea. Now, I'm not an economic major. Uh, I don't have a background in economics like you do. But at least I understood that principle. And it's not just the pandemic stimulus. It's also these counties um, and these cities now. I think Palm Springs is one of them. And there's another city in California they're literally handing out thousands of dollars if you come to the, I think it's in Palm Springs, if you go to the city hall and you just declare that you're transgender, they will give you a universal basic income now. So they're testing it on those groups. And that, of course, just makes the problem that much worse. I mean, California is also about to hand out hundreds of thousands of dollars to people with dark skin claiming that their ancestors were slaves. I mean, where's all that money coming from, Joseph? Uh, they're just they're just printing it, and uh, basically, yeah, it's, it's like a catch twenty two because if you know they don't take the money that you're quote unquote entitled to, well, that money has already been allocated and printed, so it's just sitting in an account by the government that's supposed to go out to everybody. And well, I think it was just this last month was the last left time frame that you could have basically applied and gotten the stimulus money if you hadn't already. Um, but now that'll be like quote unquote, a surplus to the government. And what, what do they do with the surplus? Well, you see, I mean, what does our president do with the surplus? He sends some money over to Ukraine. So basically if you didn't take the stimulus check, well now you're supporting the war in Ukraine by not basically taking that and, using the money here. Yeah, I mean, it, and then a lot of that's la- like a lot of that's laundered and brought back to both Republicans and Democrats who are running for office or already holding office. A lot of that money's then laundered back into their pockets. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just a vicious cycle of money. And that on principle, yeah, everyone should advocate against things like universal basic income. But if you do not take advantage of that, then you will be at a disadvantage and that money essentially is taken from you in the form of higher taxes or inflation, which is the self tax. And it will be used for other means because, well, the money's already printed. It's already there. And they're going to find some sort of a use because 
you cannot cut, if you're in government, you can't cut spending. Otherwise, there will be no need for your department or there will be no need for that entity to even exist anymore. And government doesn't like that. They want to continue to grow. So they find a way to spend every single dollar that ends up being printed. Well, that's And that's why I remember Judge Napolitano used to point this out all the time. And there have been tons of reports on this as well. The FBI is responsible for like 98% of the terrorist plots they thwart. That's because they set them up to justify more FBI funding. Every agency does that. They want more money, more funding, more power. Um, I think the ESG score is something else we should talk about in regard to this. Because I mentioned I went into a Target a few weeks ago, and there was just blatant theft. And the store looked like every single shelf just looked like... uh, an earthquake hit the store. I don't know, like things were all over the floor. It wasn't just like one or two aisles. Like the whole store was just torn apart. Most of the people, and it wasn't a bad part of town either. You're like sometimes you go to those Walmarts that are really bad part of town. They're kind of destroyed. This was like a high, high volume, big, very, they just renovated it. Actually, it's a very nice store otherwise. And um, I, I, I saw that and I started to think I, I, well, as I was walking out and I, I was thinking, how is Target allowing this? I used to work at Target when I was younger. And Target was very strict about the way that the store was represented. And then I get home and I go to bed. The next day I wake up, I read this article synchronistically, Joseph, that says Target lost $400 million in product, not in projected income, but in product, $400 million. And that's worse in some places than others, as you kind of alluded to earlier about up there in Idaho, uh, as opposed to other places, other states and cities. But when I looked at that, I was thinking, that's, that's almost half a billion dollars. You know, when I worked at Target, managers were upset if someone worked a minute of overtime, you know, and they had to pay you time and a half. They lost half a billion dollars, roughly. And the, the corporation that is Target it doesn't really have anything to say about it officially. You would think that would be a big problem and they would be um, they would be getting police in, in cities to come and protect their stores and to actually do something about the issue. But they don't. And I'm and I was always wondering, is it are they being reimbursed for this? Is it kind of being, quote, written off? Is is there a financing to this to encourage this behavior? These are the thoughts that go through my head from an economic point of view and knowing about the ESG and stuff. Does it does any of that make sense? Am I kind of on the right track? I mean, they got a ton of stimulus money. Um, Target did. Yeah. I mean, all the pretty much every corporation got massive amount of stimulus money for um, COVID measures. And I mean, that's why they all basically went along with all these policies is because they were able to say, Oh yes, we need this money. So that way we can implement all the plexiglass, the masking, the sanitation procedures, all these things, uh, pay our workers for time off. Um, basically they got all this stimulus money. So I don't know if it's, they're paying essentially this is paying back quote unquote the these uh stimulus measures that that they received because people forget i mean the stimulus and the inflation that's only a 300 billion was it 300 billion i I can't remember the exact number but 300 billion was just the stimulus checks but the stimulus package itself was trillions so there's a whole lot of money out there um not given to individuals and basically the individual portion was what caused the inflation. So imagine how much money 
individual corporations each received from all of these stimulus measures. Um, but it's just not publicized. And then I'm sure there's probably some sort of a, some sort of a deal like target seems to be a very ESG driven company with all of their marketing campaigns and everything. I'm sure there's some sort of a, some sort of a deal. I, I don't have any evidence of that. Uh, we just talked about that yesterday, but be something to definitely look into. Um, yeah, yeah. But there is with the, uh, you know, things being trashed and the looting of stores. It's almost like there's a plan to cause dilapidation in certain areas of, of town. And this is actually kind of supported. There are what are called opportunity zones um, that were basically implemented under the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017 by the Trump administration. Basically allows for investors to go into, uh, on the IRS website, it says, uh, opportunity zones are an economic development tool that allows people to invest in distressed areas in the United States. Their purpose is to spur economic growth and job creation in low-income communities while providing tax benefits to investors. And these, these funds basically are set up by investors and there's tax-free incentives that are more favorable than any investment that you can possibly make. And it allows and incentivizes you to go into dilapidated areas, fix it up, build a really nice luxury. Um, you keep moving the border, basically, of the luxury affluent areas out further and further and it seems to be on the outskirts of this area where all of this seems to be happening that we basically see these, you know, high rise condominiums going in and it's all basically allowing profit from this tax cuts and jobs act provision in the tax code, um, to basically just continue to cause dilapidation, go in, scoop it up for pennies on the dollar and then turn, turn that into massive profits. Um, just by having, you know, policies like ESG cause let's, let's allow for these low income people, you know, it's, it's very caring to allow people to walk out with groceries. You know, they need, they need it. So, you know, we should be able to incentivize. The, the, the funny thing you say that is I remember back in like 2000, was it 2020 still living in Rochester and these people were rabid at the store I worked at. And there's, there's always, this was my social life going out to work. And there were these discussions about, you know, like the theft because people were stealing a ton of stuff from our grocery store. And, uh, the, the frozen manager, the woman that ran the frozen in the refrigerator, she was, she, she would chase them down and scream at them and yell at them. And yeah, the response was always, they're just people. They're just trying to do this or and it's like, well, a, a person who might actually like a, in a Robin Hood type situation might actually still like, I don't know, an apple or maybe they would steal a box of cereal. These people weren't doing that. They were stealing like the most expensive steaks and then they would go downtown and resell them on the side of the road. Um, they're not stealing an apple because they're hungry. They're stealing like $95 bottles of CBD oil. They're stealing things like, you know, I, and I, I saw, remember these videos of, uh, you know, the looters. And I remember the mainstream media was like, oh, the looters in Portland and the looters in this city and that city. They're just trying to feed their families. And then as you're watching that and they're saying they're trying to feed their families, they're robbing Apple stores, Gucci, Louis Vuitton, etc. It's like, you know, I mean, I guess if you're going to sell that, it's a lot more money to feed your family. But wouldn't you rob a grocery store if you were hungry? That's. 
what an average person would do, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, that's what, that's what I think. If I was hungry, I think I would rob a farmer's market or something. <laughs> I'm not going to, I don't even, I've never even seen a Louis Vuitton store. Where are these stores? These people know where they're at. Right. Um, how would you even know the person that sell, oh, you want a Louis Vuitton bag? <laughs> I, I don't yeah. know anybody who, who owns a Louis Vuitton bag personally. Let, let me ask you this question. I read this article. I know you probably haven't read this because it's kind of a random story, uh, but this was Reuters last night. U.S. Supreme Court is looking at a, uh, I guess they're calling this a, what would you, what would you call this, like a civil rights type uh, case. And it deals with a Christian web designer who says she doesn't want to provide services to same-sex couples. It's very similar to the uh, 2018 case of the Denver uh, Baker. I'm sure you remember that. And uh, this article from Reuters says, uh, let me just read this to you. The U.S. Supreme Court's conservative majority appeared ready to rule that a Christian web designer has a right to refuse to provide services for same-sex marriages in a case the liberal justices said could empower certain businesses to discriminate based on constitutional free speech protections. The second part of this article says the liberal justices offered various scenarios aimed at showing how a ruling embracing Smith's arguments, this is the web designer, how a ruling embracing her arguments could enable businesses claiming artistic rights to freely discriminate not only against LGBT people, but on the basis of race, sex, disabilities, and other factors. Now, I'm not saying liberal. Reuters article is saying liberal. I find it weird. I find it contradictory how liberals or liberal justices can talk about free speech protections and talk about preventing people or discriminated against people from coming into businesses and, and, and shopping there based on disabilities when this was the primary ideology of this particular set of the political spectrum when it came to COVID-19 policies. You don't get to have free speech. You don't get to have free choice in vaccines. You don't get to have free choice in where you shop. You have to wear a mask under all circumstances, even if it's dangerous and doesn't protect you. Even if you have a doctor's note, I had a doctor's note. Even if you have a medical exemption, they would still try to force you to do it. This seems like disgusting, gross hypocrisy that these are the same people that were opposed to free speech and they were advocates for discriminating against people with disabilities. Now they suddenly care again because it has to do with gay marriage or something like that. I mean, this is just a, this is a joke. And whether it's this particular type of a thing with free speech and discrimination and the hypocrisy in relation to the pandemic, or it's these big businesses that get these big bailouts and then they allow all this theft. And then the same people that give them the bailouts say, we're going to stand up to that business. We're going to stop them from making all these profits and we're going to stop them from destroying the economy and making life harder for you. It, you know what it sounds like to me, Joseph, when I listen to uh, Herschel Walker in that debate with his opponent, Warnock, whatever the guy's name is, and Warnock said, I work with drug companies, get prices down. And then you look at prices of drugs that a lot of the times people that are on the drugs don't actually need the drugs. They could fix it with other things like diet and exercise. That's in some cases, not all. And it's like they're working. They work together. It's more proof. They work together. They keep prices artificially high. Everybody benefits. The company benefits. The politician benefits. And at the end of the day, everybody gets screwed. And very few people make middle of the road arguments and look at things logically like you do. 
To me, you're a logical person. To me, Herschel Walker is a logical person. He said, well, maybe if you just ate right, you probably wouldn't need the insulin to begin with. That's a common sense solution that no matter if that affects, you know, three out of 10 people that have diabetes or nine out of 10 people that have diabetes or need insulin, uh, it's a common sense solution that nobody, Republican or Democrat, wants to talk about. And I think this is the issue for me, Joseph. We are not allowed to criticize both political parties at once. You can take your pick and you can say nasty things about one or the other. You can point out the hypocrisies of one or the other, but you're not allowed to stand back and point out the hypocrisies and the double standards of both. That's when it becomes dangerous. And that indicates that we don't really have a two-party system. We don't really have any kind of, quote, democracy. We have a uniparty. We have a one-party state that is primarily run through big corporations and big banks. Oh, yeah, they both play off of each other, and it is a one-party system. You have competing interests, seemingly, but they actually coexist to work together. That's why, I mean, that's why we see big swings every election cycle. You go back and forth between the parties. That way, each side has something to gain, and it's not not about, you know, it shouldn't be about political parties. You should vote for the best candidate. It shouldn't matter, you know. It seems almost like a cult, like you have to be part of one side or the other. If you're not with us, then you're against us, just like George Bush used to say. You're with us or you're uh, with the terrorists. Terrorists. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I think you're spot on on that. I, I agree. Well, we'll go back, go back to George Bush for a minute, because remember the I mean, I, just two big things, warrantless wiretapping and endless. Uh, wars of aggression based on conspiracies to commit those acts of aggression, largely at the behest of uh, PNAC and uh, Israel and a handful of other countries and corporations, defense contractors that benefit. George Bush was guilty of all those things. I agreed with the Democrats. He was guilty of all those things and more. George Bush, Dick Cheney, war criminals and many others in their administration. But then when you pass it on the baton on to Obama, he just expanded those wars. The first thing he did in office was bomb an African country as a, quote, African-American president. He bombed the hell out of Libya. And then it continued with Donald Trump. And the emergency order under Donald Trump for the pandemic is the same order being used by the Biden administration to justify getting rid of your student loan debt, which they waited until the 10th of November, two days after the midterms, to announce the federal judge did that the president doesn't actually have that authority. I mean, it, 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 it's, it's a collusion between not only big tech and big government, it's a collusion between all corporations, major corporations, big banks, and big government. It is a globalist, fascist state, and stakeholder capitalism is a big part of this. We're going to talk about that in the second half of tonight's show with Joseph Lavelle. Can you give us just a brief overview of what stakeholder capitalism is and how it ties into this? You've got about 90, uh, 90 seconds. Okay, yeah, stakeholder capitalism is basically touted by the World Economic Forum. Uh, Klaus Schwab, basically, they are looking out for the stakeholders, which basically are comprised of four groups, according to Schwab. They are government, civil society in the form of NGOs, universities, and schools, companies consisting of the private sector, um, and inter- the international community, which consists of international organizations such as the UN, as well as regional organizations such as the European Union. Um, basically, they want to direct 
capitalism in a way at the behest of these four groups that we just, that Klaus Schwab outlines to benefit all of humanity based on what they say is the right direction for I believe he calls humanity. that he calls that the common good or something to that effect. Right. And he's, he says that on the World Economic Forum website, uh, along with the fourth industrial revolution stuff. So it's a merger of not only corporations and the state and big banks, but a merger also the fourth industrial revolution or the rise of the fourth Reich, as I call it. It is a merger of man and machine. It is a technocratic, transhumanist, authoritarian, globalist dictatorship in a sense. Uh, a lot of people have talked about that for years and years and years. It turns out that conspiracy theory is really just a conspiracy that has been uh, that has been revealed. Tonight on The Secret Teachings, Joseph Lavelle, my good friend, it is Stakeholder Globalism. That's the name of the show. There's a lot more after this. We're going to talk about stakeholder capitalism and some of these international declarations that the White House has signed the United States onto. Right after this, don't go anywhere. You are listening to The Secret Teachings. To contact the show, to share information and your opinion, or give recommendations, email rdgable at yahoo.com. Visit the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings, or visit the website at www.thesecretteachings.info. If you're looking for a great gift that keeps on giving this year, check out one of my four books for the holiday season. Occult Arcana is a monumental collection of esoteric and occult lore. The technological elixir looks at UFOs, demonology in the music industry, and the soul and spirit in relation to modern technology. Liberty Shrugged, my new book, takes you on a historical journey through the concepts of natural liberty and provides a different angle on the American Revolution. Food philosophy explores food industry propaganda, advertising tricks, and geoengineering. Get all four books only at thesecretteachings.info in softcover or digital. That's thesecretteachings.info. If you'd like to hear more of The Secret Teachings, if you missed a show or part of a show, sign up to the ever-expanding archive at thesecretteachings.info. When you subscribe for a month or a year, you get access to the full show archive to every show after it airs. You can download and stream unlimited episodes and share your login with friends or family. With your subscription, you can also get access on the website to all of Ryan's digital books and the ever-growing montage archive. Just visit the Secret Teachings info and click on the donate subscribe tab at the top of the page use the secure paypal link and start your membership today by subscribing you support the secret teachings ryan and yourself people ask me all the time what they can do to take control of their lives when facing a daily onslaught of dis and misinformation i say take control of your body and mind with water filtration visit www.thesecretteachings.info and click on our affiliate sponsor link with pro one water filters at the top of the page to search for a water filter for the home camping trip and even the shower they filter countless contaminants and make a wonderful gift for friends family and yourself that's pro one water filters at thesecretteachings.info hello 
folks. This is Jordan Maxwell, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings, excellent shows with your host, Ryan Gable. Think about your hero when you're at ground zero and call up to the follow back to me. Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is the frequency of The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. Hi, everyone. This is Mark Passio, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. You are listening to The Secret Teachings Radio. I'm your host, Ryan Gable. The Secret Teachings airs Monday through Friday, five nights a week, 10 p.m. to midnight Pacific on GroundZero.radio, right after Clyde Lewis and Ground Zero. You can search The Secret Teachings on any radio or podcast player and listen to the show and download the show for free. If you'd like to get rid of those advertisements, however, in the free show, you can subscribe to the ad-free archive with our montages, digital books, and a private RSS feed. It's discounted now for the holidays or the holy days. www.thesecretteachings.info If you'd like to contact the show, rdgable at yahoo.com, tstradio at protonmail.com. Those are the two emails. And you can also follow us on Twitter at tst underscore underscore radio, facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings. The music tonight, as all nights, is White Bat Audio. That's White Bat Audio. They let us use their music for free. You can find them on YouTube. Again, White Bat Audio. Tonight I am joined by my good friend and co-host, Joseph Lavelle. We're looking at a number of things related to globalism, or what I call stakeholder globalism, not stakeholder capitalism, and the incredible hypocrisies and double standards held by corporations, by government officials, government agencies, and the realization, some of you might not have realized this, still thinking that Donald Trump is the savior for all of mankind. Yes, Trump did good things, but Donald Trump and his Republican Party are involved in the same types of things that Joe Biden and his Democratic Party are involved in. I'm not talking about showering with your daughter and laundering money to Ukraine. Uh, actually, there's an audio call of Joe Biden talking to Poroshenko, Ukrainian president, former Ukrainian president, telling him not to let Trump know what was happening with all that money that was going to Ukraine. That was back in like 2015. He said, we want to make sure he doesn't know what happens to that, you know, happens with that money. Uh, he we don't, want, don't want him to get sophisticated enough to realize what is happening in Ukraine with all that cash. But, you know, the Trump emergency order for COVID-19, people that hate Trump, they love that emergency order because it gives them and the Biden administration the authority to do pretty much whatever it is that they want to do. They can end your student loan debt under the guise of a COVID-19 emergency. They can... Uh, print money endlessly, as every administration has done. Obama, Bush. I mean, you think back to the Bush administration. Think back to 9-11 for a second. And, and remember how all that stuff came out after 9-11 about the government essentially knowing 
that there was going to be some kind of, quote, attack. Call it an inside job. Call it whatever you want to call it. But some kind of an attack in New York City and potentially even on the president himself, uh, codename Angel was considered one of the targets that morning, which was the name of Air Force One with George Bush, who was then cut off on Air Force One from his his other officials and unable to communicate with the Pentagon. That was official. They just cut the president off because he was a puppet, and Dick Cheney was probably running the whole operation with Donald Rumsfeld. But you think about that, and then it comes out later that, well, the government actually knew quite a bit about these hijackers. It turns out these hijackers uh, were known by the FBI. Tra- they were trained in America, and uh, no red flags went off about any of this. The the the, the I, I mean, my God, the the Bin Laden family was flown out of the country when all air traffic was suspended after 9-11. Uh, you know about the defense contractors, uh, the Carlisle Group, uh, between, which is a, basically the Bush family and the Bin Laden family doing business together. And that's, that's yeah, that's the Republicans. It's a different Republican Party today, sure, but that's that's the George Bush Republicans. And then Obama continued that. Trump continued a lot of it, did a few good things. I'm not even saying Obama didn't do some good things, and then Biden. But our focus is always on the president. We don't think a lot about the Congress. You know, we, we think uh, Abraham Lincoln, quote, freed the slaves. It was actually a Republican Congress that did all the things necessary to, quote, free the slaves before Abraham Lincoln was willing to even publicly state that that was his goal. Congress has a lot of power. So does the Supreme Court. And when you don't know those things and you don't understand those things and you're voting or you're having conversations about political events, uh, geopolitical events, then you don't really have the full picture and you can't really make an informed decision. And that's not because Twitter is censoring information at behest of the FBI or the Biden administration or the Biden uh, campaign. It's because, well, you're not taught those things in school. And that benefits who and what? That benefits the state, those in power. It benefits the corporations. It benefits the big banks. It benefits everybody except the common person. In the same way that when people give you free money, as we talked about in the first hour, you might think that benefits you, and perhaps at the moment it benefits you, but there's going to be a harsh economic consequence for accepting that money, whether you accept it. I didn't accept any of that COVID-19 money. And yet, I'm having to suffer through the economic consequences because other people did accept that money. And that's not because it's really the fault of other people. It's because the whole system's corrupt from top to bottom. However, that doesn't mean that the U.S. Constitution or the rule of law is the cause of these problems. It's because we've abandoned those basic founding principles. When the U.S. overthrows a foreign country overthrows a foreign leader and installs a dictator, you can blame that on the United States, but that's not the foundational principles of the United States, which are inherently opposed to international involvement in those types of things, especially overthrowing elected officials, whether that's Mossadegh or you name it. So you go back to the Bush administration, go back to the other Bush administration, go back to Reagan. You can keep going back and keep going forward, go to Obama and Biden and Trump And, you know, nothing really changes. It it all seems to be the same, but that doesn't mean that America's bad, and that doesn't mean that the president's the only thing you should focus on because because it isn't. You know, Congress has 
almost all the authority. The Supreme Court has a lot of authority as well. It's because we've abandoned the rule of law. It's because we get most of our information not from scholarly educational pursuits, but through rhetoric and through emotion and through social media, where we are constantly compulsively addicted to trauma. You see this in relationships, men and women, men, men, women, women, you know, gays and lesbians, they fight just as much as heterosexual couples do. You see this in relationships. People are addicted to the trauma or they're afraid. Just expand that to politics, expand that to economics. People are abused, traumatized, and afraid. And with every new trauma, our psychology, as we adapt to that trauma to try to live through it, to try to survive it, becomes that we become the malleable pawns, puppets, clay, whatever word you'd like to use. We become the malleable clay, puppet, pawn of those that are initiating the trauma, whether that's 9-11 or that's endless ongoing wars and threats of terrorism or it's all the things we hear about now about white supremacy and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So tonight on the show, as we move into this second hour, Joseph Lavelle is with me. He's a good friend. He's co-hosting with us tonight. He knows a lot about stakeholder capitalism, and I wanted to talk with him about that because stakeholder capitalism, the World Economic Forum, the World Health Organization, the UN, all these big international bodies, it used to be a conspiracy that they wished to eliminate individual nation states and to incorporate them into a global corporate banking globalist dictatorship, empire, technocracy, whatever you want to call it. Now this is not a debatable thing. Now you have former Bush and Obama in the United States officials saying that, well, the CDC didn't handle the pandemic very well. The government didn't handle the pandemic very well. So we just need to have an international body that can step into states like Florida This is the Washington Post reporting this. They can step into states like Florida who refuse to go along with what the WHO says. They can send teams of investigators and potentially even soldiers to decide if there is a pandemic in Florida and to basically unseat the governor who isn't doing what the World Health Organization wants him to do. That's the Washington Post reporting that. And basically, we're seeing the same thing with the G20 Bali leaders declaration. It's an abandonment of national and, by default, state sovereignty and the signing of the country over, the signing of basic human rights over to an international governing body that is unelected and run by people like Klaus Schwab, who not only wants to merge corporations and government, but wants to merge man and machine and call it the Fourth Industrial Revolution. So I know that's a lot to start this third segment. Joseph Lavelle is with us. Joseph, take us into stakeholder capitalism. What exactly is stakeholder capitalism? I've heard it's all about the common good, and I've also heard that the common good is a phrase that has been used a lot throughout history. I know the context of that. What is stakeholder capitalism? How does that play into all of this other stuff? Right. Stakeholder capitalism is a concept coined by Klaus Schwab at the World Economic Forum, basically using capitalism with four groups of stakeholders, kind of like we outlined in the last part of the last segment, um, in order to benefit everybody on planet Earth, all of humanity. Um, Basically, 
looking to use governments, um, whether state, local, or countries, civil society, which are NGOs, schools, or universities, um, companies, which consist of the private sector, uh, freelancers, and multinational corporations, or uh, the fourth he references are inter- the international community, which are like these global entities such as like the UN, the European Union, or the ASEAN, EAN, which I believe is Asia. Um, basically, all of these things, all of these entities he outlines need to work together in order to allow for humanity to prosper. And if these entities do not work together, then he says that humanity is essentially doomed and we're all going to be wiped off the face of the earth, whether it be from climate change or global war, um, if we don't have all of these organizations working together in in an authoritarian manner, um, is the way that I see it. Uh, You know, it sounds like to me, it sounds like a threat. I've always thought that it sounds like a threat. Do this or we will have a global conflict. Exactly. And uh, relating to something you just said about using trauma to guide and coerce people to be more malleable and accept these means of proceeding forward with their daily lives. Uh, He specifically talks about uh, internet technology being key in disseminating information. And that kind of relates to you referenced in the first hour, the uh, declaration for the future of the internet. Um, just kind of the, the outline there, the call for a global internet, inclusive in access to affordable internet, um, trust in the digital ecosystem. I mean, it all sounds to me like they want to control the internet and be the disseminators of information and allow for only their thought to be the true and verified form of thought on the internet. Um, this is probably why you see pushback against people like Elon Musk, who is basically trying to allow for free thought on the internet and his new acquisition of Twitter in order to basically feed this technocratic system with truth and free thought and tolerance of individuals versus you can't say that that is racist or that is homophobic or that is anti-LGBTQ. You know, it seems very intolerant. It's like a less like he knows. I mean, he's part of the system, Neuralink, Skylink, et cetera, Starlink. Uh, He's basically financing uh, not just with money, but also financing with energy uh, the transition of human 1.0 to 2.0 and trying to make it less severe in a sense, like allowing people right. to speak, using that to fund his AI, but also in the process of all of this unfolding, uh, trying to say, well, let's, we're going to do this. We're going to go into this, but let's at least let people speak while we go into this uh, authoritarian state. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah. I mean, it's better for, I think, this is just at least my take of Elon is that it's better to coexist with this AI that maybe he's helping create or he sees as being created um, rather than us being seen as a problem that must be eliminated because it doesn't fit within the parameters set by these organizations. 
because then you'll just have this one thought form that has no free, true expression. There will be no growth. It'll cause humanity to essentially cease existing. I mean, cease living. You can exist without living. Uh, basically, you'll have no no family. They want to break down the family unit as you know, entities like Black Lives Matter, as you've outlined previously on your show, have talked about. Um, basically, just yeah, all these all these different variables feed into this artificial intelligence system that seems to be the building of a technocratic state that will allow for the stakeholder capitalism to have absolute control because they don't trust us as individuals to make the best decisions for our family, for our friends for the planet, for the environment. They just think that we are uneducated and they know better than us. They are the kings. They are the chosen ones. But they, but they preach democracy. They preach you get to choose your representatives. They preach you get to have all these freedoms, 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 freedoms. But when they've redefined what those words mean or when they use democracy out of context with the rule of law, if you will, when it just becomes a mob of emotionally driven, unstable, uneducated people voting for free handouts, like Alexander Teitler, the Scottish professor, said, uh, then those of us who understand the, the ideas set forth in the Declaration of Independence, for example, the Magna Carta, the U.S. Constitution, etc., we understand those words to mean something totally different. When I hear a corporation talk about equality, their definition of equality is a lot different than my definition of equality, which means, well, it's basically what like the 14th Amendment says. It's what our Declaration of Independence says. Their definition of equality, it seems, Joseph, is everybody is equally as poor. Everybody is equally as destitute. Everybody is equally dependent upon the corporate banking global system. See, equality can mean a lot of things. That's what I think of when I hear those kinds of words, just, equality, uh, equity. It just means that everybody has to do what they're told when they're told or there's severe consequences. It's not some utopia. Right. And they just use buzzwords. I think you said that in one of your previous shows too. They, they use buzzwords like equity and uh, equality. Justice. Justice for all. Yeah. They get you to think that, yeah, you do have the. I mean, if you look at it, you do have the choice. You do have, uh, control and you can actually make those choices. But what they do is they use situations such as 9-11 or they use the COVID-19 pandemic. They use those to keep people in fear and trauma that allows people to be manipulated and then on their own will accept and agree and go along with what they deem. They say, this is the right way. This is equitable. This is fair. This is just, uh, you should accept it because that's the right thing to do for the good of the, the common good, the good of society. You don't want to, you know, you don't want to kill your grandma mm -hmm. if you don't wear a mask. So people say, oh, that makes sense. And then they accept that when it's just they're in fear and they don't use that critical thought to think, hey, does the mask even work? It's, it's a fallacy. Because they were told to by an authority. Yeah, exactly. Like the Milgram experiment. And they believe that someone in authority has better knowledge than they do because it's not true informed consent. It's just consent. 
Yeah, you know, that's a good point. It's not true informed consent. And when people tell you like, well, no one's forced you to get a vaccine. No one forced you to shut down your business, you know, necessarily and necessarily force you to do it. It's like, well, no, there's different kinds of, of, of force. There's intimidation, which, you know, it kind of coerces you to do something because of what might happen if you don't do it. Um, and in relation to informed consent, it's, I think that's basically what you're saying. Uh, and then there's also, well, yeah, like someone didn't come up to me and put a gun to my head and said, you're going to put this needle in your arm. But when I'm forced to do it under duress, then it might as well be someone putting a gun to my head. If I'm not allowed to shop without adhering to masking and vaccines, if I'm not allowed to have a business or to have a job to be employed to earn a living, unless I have that vaccine or that mask, then it might not be that um, someone's physically forcing me to do it. But if I'm under duress, if I'm being uh, basically threatened into doing it, it's no different than if someone did put a gun to my head. So I mean, these arguments, people have made that argument with me, Joseph, on, on online. A few people had messaged me and said, well, no one forced you to do it. I say, but what are the consequences of not doing it? You lose your job. You lose your house. You lose your car. You lose your livelihood. That's, I mean, it's like, I'm going to give you this example. When I was reading about the student loan um, debt uh, elimination, uh, the Supreme Court now, I don't know if you heard this, is going to look at the case and they're going to see if the president has that authority which he doesn't, uh, to eliminate student loan debt up to a certain amount. And that's the Supreme Court's going to look at that sometime early next year, I think, is, is what the, the docket says. And the argument is going to be the president has the authority. This is what the Department of Education's arguing. The president has that authority because of the emergency for COVID-19. And I thought, uh, if I was a lawyer, tell me what you think of this, a better way to argue that would be when I think I'm 18, I signed my student loans to go to film school, Joseph. They put me in a room with basically a banker and one of the, the people that worked at the school. And it was just us three. I vividly remember this. And they said, all right, you want to go to school? You got to sign this. They didn't tell me to read it. They didn't explain it to me. It was just pressure. Well, if you want to go to school, you're going to have to sign it. I mean, to me, that would be a better argument to make that Kids shouldn't be responsible for the loans because they were they signed them under duress. Instead, they're arguing about emergency powers. But the whole the whole thing, I think, is it's it's part of the same idea. Whether it's duress or intimidation and fear, you don't really have free choice when you're doing something out of fear, out of intimidation, being coerced or uh, under duress. Do you? No, uh, no, not really. And that's, I mean, the best defense against that is learning, knowledge, gaining. Gaining the knowledge like you have outlined so many times on your show about it is not the law to force you to wear a medical device on your face when you enter a building, uh, especially when it's under emergency use authorization. Um, but most people, most people don't know that. And so they take advantage of people's lack of knowledge in order to push these, push it push the duress on people because they don't know. And, uh, I mean, it's like when you're having your first baby and it's like, okay, time for time for this, this, and this procedure. And you're like, wait, what? And they don't tell you these things in advance. And they say, oh yes, you must do this. And they don't tell you what the pros and the cons are of doing this. They don't give you the, the benefits 
and the consequences, uh, the potential negative outcomes. Um, it is, you don't have time, you have to make this decision right now, um, but it all feeds into the, the captive state, the, the basically the whole model that continues to profit profit motives for all the corporations and the hospitals and any any entity that goes along with all of this. Um, all these different entities have different policies that basically continue to further this uh, corporate capture and allow for, for more profits under duress um, just by continuing to not educate people because it's not in their interest That's right. for people to be educated because if they were educated, then they may choose to not engage in business with that entity. And what happens What happens when, this is kind of a rhetorical question, but you might be able to actually answer it uh, based on what we were discussing at the, at the midway point uh, of the show tonight during the break. And that is, I always think of the, you know, the little business I worked at in Rochester, New York, that grocery store. And I, it turns out, um, this isn't an ego thing, Ryan was right. I was right about the masking, how they couldn't force you to do it. And the business eventually realized that because of the, the, the legal issues and because of even some of the other customers protesting it. So they eventually said, okay, it's, it's not mandatory anymore. It's just a recommendation, We're just, which it always was a recommendation. But I don't need someone to come to me and tell me you were right. But at the end of the day, the people that believe those things and tried to force them and actually broke the law even though they said, okay, we're not going to try to force people to do it anymore, but they themselves continued to do it knowing that they didn't have to after their argument had been, well, it's the law, I have to do it. So they double down and then they double down again because you can't, I'm guessing the psychology of this is you, you just, as an individual who has been lied to and abused and manipulated, you can't acknowledge that I've been duped. And I think that's, you brought this up at break. I mean, if you wanted to explain this, it's kind of the idea of like, well, the Gulf of Tonkin or uh, the idea of Pearl Harbor or with 9-11, weapons of mass destruction. We, we learn all these things are, are um, staged or made up or fake, and we just continue to go along with the narrative even though we know that it's not real. Yeah, it just continues. What becomes common knowledge? So everything is done that's done in an emergency and we have to do this right now. We have no time. We have to move at the quote speed of science and you just have to trust us because we know what is best for you. I mean, that is the model of stakeholder capitalism. We know what is best for you. You have to trust us. We have to do this now. We don't have much time. The plan is going to end in 2030 if we don't do this right now. And you know, that causes fear, panic, anxiety. Um, but, and then as time goes on, and rational minds come out and question, have critical thought, and say, hey, this wasn't the case. And then it becomes irrefutable at that point. Then it becomes common knowledge. Okay, the government, as with 9-11, uh, oh, there was no weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. Even And Iraq had nothing to do with 9-11. Yet we justified that war because of that event. Well, now we have the TSA, uh, which didn't exist prior to 9-11 and people just accept that as normal. Well, now if it comes out that, Hey, uh, this COVID-19 symptom complex is just a bunch of reclassified different viruses or Hey, the, the vaccine, it's not safe. It's killing a lot of people causing heart issues. If that becomes common knowledge, people are going to still continue to take vaccines 
every single year um, if they're allowed to stay on the market. If they pull it on the market, they'll probably just find an opportunity to shift the blame. Oh, that's say, hey, that, that it's ju- the flu. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, we got to go to break, but that's already happening. They're blaming it on soil fungus in the Midwest. We did a show on this last week. They're blaming it on a new chemical found in Earth's atmosphere. Uh, they're blaming it on new virus. All the symptoms, the side effects are actually being blamed on new viruses now. Oh, they're already shifting the blame. It's not going to take years for that to happen. Joseph Lavelle, my good friend, very smart guy, joining us on The Secret Teachings tonight. I'm Ryan Gable. More after this. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Secret Teachings. For more information on the show or to contact Ryan, visit thesecretteachings.info or email ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com. Hey, this is John Peasy at johnpeasy.com, and I'm here with Ryan Gable from The Secret Teachings. If you're looking for a great gift that keeps on giving this year, check out one of my four books for the holiday season. Occult Arcana is a monumental collection of esoteric and occult lore. The technological elixir looks at UFOs, demonology in the music industry, and the soul and spirit in relation to modern technology. Liberty Shrugged, my new book, takes you on a historical journey through the concepts of natural liberty and provides a different angle on the American Revolution. Food philosophy explores food industry propaganda, advertising tricks, and geoengineering. Get all four books only at thesecretteachings.info in softcover or digital. That's thesecretteachings.info. You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence. David has no evidence. I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little bit of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm the last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's The Secret Teachings, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. This is Kev Baker of The Kev Baker Show, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Thanks, Ryan. This is David Knight with thedavidknightshow.com, and you're listening to The Secret Teaching. Broadcasting from somewhere between the normal and abnormal. A collection of question marks. No reason, no explanation. Just a prolonged nightmare in which fear, loneliness, and the unexplainable walk hand in hand through the shadows. It's The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. My good friend and co-host tonight, Joseph Lavelle, is joining us. Stakeholder globalism is the main subject, and under that title, we've been able to talk about quite a bit relating to economics, what is legal and lawful, and in the last segment there, just a few minutes ago, wrapped up with commentary on how certain things like, for example, weapons of mass destruction turned out to, well, not be true. There weren't weapons of mass destruction in Iraq, but we justified that invasion, the occupation of a sovereign nation because of that, even though it turns out that that wasn't true. We know Gulf of Tonkin. We know that that was a staged event. We know that the president knew about Pearl Harbor, uh, speaking of the Japanese ships and planes before the event happened. Uh, We know that from not only... uh, open acknowledgement, but we even know that there were German soldiers who testified that um, they, I mean, they had like the recordings of, of, uh, 
I think Germany told the United States, Japan is going to attack. I read that in a history book one time. So because Germany didn't did not want the United States involved in the war, that's why they would tell them. So, you know, a lot of these things, Joseph, they turn out to, you know, become common knowledge way after the fact. And you brought up COVID-19 vaccines, which in this case, it hasn't even taken that long. We, we've now seen the offsetting of the side effects or the symptoms uh, with documents that were released under federal judge, uh, federal judge's order to myocarditis now is considered a normal uh, event in the life of an eight-year-old. Hospitals are advertising that. And now they're saying, we did a show on this last week, now they're saying soil fungus, new viruses they haven't identified yet, and a new chemical in Earth's atmosphere are causing the heart problems, the cardiovascular problems, the respiratory problems, and all the symptoms and side effects, if you will, of COVID-19 and the vaccine. So it's not even taking 10, 15 years for everybody to learn learn that. Now it's it's like taking a few months. And I don't know if that's because more access to media or because these things were that dangerous to begin with. But now that everybody knows that, it's not stopping you know states and uh, companies from advertising, get your vaccine, we stand together, New York strong, and can't work here unless you have a vaccine. It's not stopping people from doubling, tripling, and quadrupling down. Right. If you're that have that much of a vested interest, the government basically probably sees that they made a mistake. But if they come out and say, "Hey, we were wrong," what does that look like? That loses faith in the government. Oh yes, um, it erodes the trust, which they feel is worse than coming out and admitting the truth. So they'll continue to go down this path, and it will continue to get worse and worse until the truth is unavoidable at, at some point it will become so and i mean these these shots still aren't even available under the fda approved label at least i still haven't even seen them under well, that there's still the emergency i don't know if authorization. i told i don't know if i told you this joseph i went to a bunch of stores trying to find the community and there was there was one store that had it it was a um what store was that uh safeway here in Tucson. But here's the kicker. I actually videoed this. I'll send you the video. The guy said he can't give the Comirnaty vaccine out. And I said, why can't you give it out? He said, because it's expired. And I said, what do you mean it's expired? Why, why are you giving the emergency shots before the approved one then? He said, well, that's what we're supposed to, supposed to do. And I said, well, you're, you're not supposed That's the, isn't that illegal? He said, well, they, th- these boxes, they're all expired. So this is what a, just a random guy at a pharmacy told me at Safeway that they do have comernity, but it's expired, so they can't give it out, so they still have to give the EUA out. Completely forgot to tell you that. That is crazy. That's incredible. I'll send you that yeah. I'll send you that video if I can find I don't think I accidentally deleted it. My phone's almost out of memory. It's an old phone, but if I can find it on there, I'll send it to you. I know I have the audio somewhere, but yeah, but that's okay. that's, that's kind of the that's kind of the situation. You're right, Comernity's approved, spike vax is approved, but you can't actually get them on the market. And people are being forced under duress to get them to, re, you know, to retain their jobs or maintain their jobs. So, right. And, and it is, it is under duress. And unfortunately, uh, it is, you'll lose your job. Uh, it's not legal. Um, so you would be right in refusing that, but the consequences are very painful. Yes. You will lose your job and you'll have hardship for, however many years it takes to work through the court system and 
you'll probably end up winning in court. But again, we've seen that it's been how many years now and there still hasn't been a whole lot that has happened on this front in court. Well, we know that Um, we know that tobacco, like if you smoke cigarettes, causes cancer. How long did it take to figure that out for the companies to finally admit that? Now everybody knows that. And it'll just be like, like we were talking about. Yeah, it's being blamed on all these side effects are being blamed on something else. I think they're looking for an opportune way to get out of this and say, oh, it turns out this wasn't safe. And they'll just shift and reclassify these injuries or infections as some other infection mm-hmm. and blame it on that and be able to get out of that liability without having to ever admit that they were wrong. That's usually what has happened. You know, it with the tobacco companies, you know, it. that's exactly, it's just, it's exactly, it's the tobacco industry, uh, uh, model is basically what they're using. And speaking of that, for those of you just joining us, this is not a show about COVID-19 tonight. This is just a, a um, kind of a side note. But in regard to that, the Bali leaders declaration from the G20 that Biden, I always, almost always call him Obama, Barack Obama, not Barack, but Biden signed the U.S. on to in mid-November. We did a show on this last week. This declaration connects to everything Joseph has said tonight, everything we've talked about tonight. And in sections 22 and 23 of the declaration, it says, we recognize that the existence of COVID-19 immunization is a global public good. So there's that terminology again, common good, public good. And we will advance our effort to ensure timely, equitable, and universal access to safe, affordable, quality, and effective vaccines, therapeutics, and diagnostics. Skip forward some. We acknowledge the importance of shared technical standards and verification methods under the framework of the IHR. For those of you who maybe missed our show on that, the IHR, the International Health Regulations, were recently uh, rewritten and altered. Uh, This was part of the Obama-Bush lackeys that went to the WHO and said, we need to make sure that the U.S. responds to the pandemic, the next pandemic better, so that they changed the IHR so that Basically, the who can step into individual sovereign states like Arizona, Florida, Idaho, and tell them how to conduct their response, uh, basically unseating the government and the legislature. Uh, And the declaration goes on from there to say to facilitate seamless international travel, uh, including proof of vaccinations in order to travel internationally. So this was just what was this three, three weeks ago? And we know those things about the vaccine, yet in this declaration, they want proof of vaccines, digital proof, in order to be able to travel internationally uh, from some point in the near future forever. So this is just one component of this declaration, but you can see this this isn't a double or a triple. This is like a, a quadrillion doubled, doubling, if you will, uh, down on the COVID-19 vaccine narrative. It's all about control. Uh, as this entire declaration is about. And, you know, Joseph, I was reading these statements that Donald Trump made about how, well, if the election with Twitter and Biden, if the election was really influenced in that way, then he said at the very least um, there should be a a removal of that person from office and we should have a new election. Or, you know, he said maybe I should just be installed as president. That's not how it works, though. And they call that, they said that he doesn't believe in the Constitution because of that, yet Joe Biden signs on to 
the declaration from from Bali, and he's considered a hero. And it, it's again, it's like using the Constitution, using the rule of law, using the image and the idea of America to sell you this very un-American, anti-human idea or this anti-human agenda. And within that is, according to the Bali Declaration, I'll go back to you, Joseph. It says, this is the beginning, it is essential to uphold international law and the multilateral system that safeguards peace and stability. This includes defending all the, quote, purposes and principles enshrined in the Charter of the United Nations, which reminds me of George Bush Sr. when he talks about the New World Order, and he says that you got to have, you know, to basically to uphold the, you know, the, the idea of the UN and the UN's founders. So here's the Bali Declaration, the G20 leaders signing on to this. To me, this is probably a treasonous act. This is the abandonment of national and state sovereignty. And this is part of the World Economic Forum model and agenda. Uh, what do you think about that? They openly state that this goal is to enshrine the charters of the UN, and they go on to say that it's all part of Agenda 2030, which they told us didn't exist, which includes the 17 points for sustainability, which basically means making everybody poor, so you own nothing, and you're happy. It's all part of the same system, the same model, I think. Yeah, it's all part of the, the captive state. I mean, even Obama recently said at a rally, y'all know about Uncle Joe, and you just don't give him any responsibilities. It's this guy is not in control, not in power. It's his administration that is pushing all of these things. And his administration seems to be captive to certain entities. I don't know if it's the pharmaceutical entities, if it's the banks, if it's all of them. They're all just colluding together uh, in order to basically go along with these uh, declarations by the G20 and basically incorporate all of these goals and standards into the United States. I mean, these people see the Constitution as a living document, meaning it says whatever they want it to say. It doesn't, basically, they don't refer back to the founding of this country and the intent that the founders had. They basically say, oh, it's a living document. We have to apply it to today's standards, and that is whatever we deem it to say. You're 100% right, because that's, that's how they redefine speech and protest and due process. I, I always read history books. I'm a big history guy. And when I wrote my book, Liberty Shrugged, I was, I was researching one of these history books I have, and they were talking about how um, some of the, the authors of the Constitution and even the Declaration of Independence, for that matter, um, were having these debates with a lot of the people they were debating were like very, they were anti-federalists largely. And, and the argument was, we can't just say we the people because it doesn't specify individual groups of people. And that could imply that slaves are also people, which was kind of the point of using we the people. It means all people. So they were saying that we need to use individual identifying groups, which is later what the Southern Constitution during secession, it actually said that you know certain groups were protected. Negro slavery was to be protected. Negroes were just inherently slaves in an inferior class. Those are the same, you know, the same group of people that believe that the U.S. Constitution as we know it today was racist because it didn't specify that, you know, certain groups of people were protected, et cetera. Or I should say it's today why we say the Constitution's racist because it says we the people and not we the white people, black people, gay people, trans people, et cetera. But in law, you don't need to say all those groups. Everybody's implied when you say we the people or when you say mankind, everybody's included in that. Yeah, no, it's. It is exactly what you said. Also, 
one thing that gets taken advantage of in our constitution is the general welfare clause. Basically, these people run around and say, well, it's for the general welfare. Um, <laughs> yeah. If the founders wanted universal health care or universal basic income or all these things that they are pushing to be part of the duties of government, then they would have included that, not just been, oh, general wef- welfare. That, that could mean anything. Like They basically said, it's Article 1, Section 8, Congress shall have power to lay, collect taxes, duties, imposts, and excises to pay the debts and provide for the common defense and general welfare of the United States. But all duties, imposts, and excises shall be uniform throughout the United States. So basically, it's speaking in reference to uh, defense and well-being of, you know, the right to pursue happiness. Um, in that sense, it's not saying, oh, we should provide everybody food, shelter, clothing, and just be a, a state that allows for us to just be a nanny state. It's the like, to- it's total the opposite of that. Exactly. Well, that's a, that's a good point. In fact, I think that when we look at that particular historical document, or you look at the Declaration of Independence, the Magna Carta, these are documents that are a threat to international banking houses. They're a threat to massive lumbering corporations. They're a threat to, you know, in, in those days, it was the king and the monarchy. Um, and to a large extent, I guess it still is today. And those documents are a threat. That's why The FBI says, hey, if you have revolutionary war imagery, which could mean anything, it could mean, you know, a New England Patriots football logo. Literally, they actually use something similar to that in the FBI memo uh, to uh, to a Betsy Ross flag or a Gadsden flag, which was flown in 1775 as a symbol of independence. They say those are symbols of hatred and extremism. So if our FBI, if our government is telling us that the symbols and the documents of which the country was founded on, then it's obvious that the people saying those things are pretty much, if we go back a few hundred years, they're they're basically the crown. Those images are treasonous. And those people that have hijacked the country that sell us out at the G20, that sell us out these declarations and the UN and G2030 and all this, they see those images and those ideas as a threat. Does that make sense? Like the people saying that the Revolutionary War images are a threat to the country, they're the ones in control of a hijacked entity. Yeah. Yeah. They basically, again, goes back to the, they see, they see the Constitution that needs to be rewritten. It's a living document. We're going to make it say what we want to say by using word games and cherry, cherry picking certain parts of it while not looking as at the document as a whole, mm-hmm. they basically take up certain parts like the general welfare clause and say, Oh yeah, see, this gives us the power and the ability to do what we want to do. Meanwhile, disregarding everything around that general welfare clause. Right. So, so Donald Trump can pull the U S out of the who, and that's considered an act of aggression or an act of violence or whatever they call it. But Biden can sign the U S into the Bali declaration that says, basically everything from what they call an inclusive energy production to which is just shutting down energy production altogether to forced vaccines. If you want to travel internationally and it'll eventually become, if you want to travel over state lines as well within the country. But then again, you have emergency emergency orders under Trump that Biden has extended. And it's, it's the same one party police state. It doesn't matter who's the president 
at that point. Right. You got to keep the, it's the one pendulum. You got to keep it swinging. That way you keep control. Cause if, if that pendulum stops swinging, then you don't have both sides pitted against each other. You divide and conquer. You keep people at odds with each other and then you move forward. And that's how simple war well, tactic. All that. And that's, that's precise. Joseph, that is precisely why Donald Trump is probably loved more by his opposition than he is by his own supporters, in my opinion. Because if they don't have him, then they can't debate or argue anything. Everything comes down to Donald Trump. He is their ace in the hole every time about every issue. Right. And it's just, why Why do they keep talking about him if he has no ability to speak on media or Twitter or, I mean, he was re- recently reinstated, maybe, uh, if I saw yeah, that right. Yeah, but he didn't, uh, didn't but tweet. Still, exactly. So it's just, they, they say that they don't care about him, yet they always on late night talk shows and to the common average person, they keep inciting that hatred towards the president. So that way they continue to accept these policies blindly again, without this informed consent. It's just consent because orange man bad or, and then on the right, it's Joe Biden. All you have to do is say these trigger words. You just say Obama, Biden, Pelosi, you say Trump, DeSantis, like all these villains, they basically dehumanize these people, use them as puppets, pawns, in order to further the global agenda and sign on to these agreements like the Bali Dec- Declaration. They implement stakeholder capitalism using ESG in order to further all of these goals via environment, quote-unquote environmental, social, and governing um, goals that they have. And meanwhile, everyone's just so concerned on the superficial aspect of politics rather than what is actually happening on the substantive level. Basically, no one reads the laws. No one sees what laws are actually being passed. Our media doesn't cover any of that stuff. It's just topical talking points that it's like you said, it's like you said about the oil. Um, you pointed this out to me when I did the show about the oil sanctions on Russia, uh, the congressional document, I forget, was it a was it a bill they tried to pass that said the banning of the importation would only be for things that were not contracted or agreed upon, which is like 97 percent of the, the energy. So they didn't actually right. ban anything from Russia. And that's in congressional record. Right. And it took it actually did get passed eventually. But at that time, even when we were talking about it, it took months before it even passed. And then by that time, it's like the president has the ability to bypass these, uh, these sanctions and allow for the oil to come in anyways, which probably happened because there was an election. So Yes, which is precisely why Joe Biden went to Saudi Arabia and said, hey, can you hold off on the oil cutbacks until after the midterm election? You know, it's, it's probably why Joe Biden said, we're going to get rid of all the marijuana, federal marijuana convictions. And it turns out his own administration came forward and said, um, you, you can't do that because there is nobody in federal prison solely for marijuana conviction. Marijuana conviction goes alongside of violent crime, et cetera. And then same thing with the student loan debt. Then a judge says, actually, you can't do that. And he and, and what, when did uh, when, I always say Obama? When did Biden do this? It's a Freudian slip. When did Biden do this? He did this all in October, right before the midterm elections. Couldn't you see those things as potential interference in the election? To convince people right. you have all these powers and your party's going to do all these things, but you don't actually have the legal authority to do it. That shows you how 
incompetent and how uninformed. And I don't mean this in a mean way because I'm I don't know everything either. I know very little. Um, I'm ignorant about a lot of stuff, but it's how how ignorant the average person is. You know, my friend told me in West Virginia there at the university, he, he lives uh, he's lived there most of his life. Uh, Morgantown, West Virginia, he said when Biden announced that he was going to get rid of the student loan debt for, to a certain amount, he said that there were parties in Morgantown. Um, bars were filled up. People, a lot of the kids from the university were like, yeah, I don't have to pay my loans back going out and drinking. And my friend's like, this is stupid. These people are going out and spending hundreds of dollars on alcohol, but they didn't have money to pay their student loans back. And they're excited that he's, he's going to get rid of their loans while going out and spending more. And they're going to go spend more money to celebrate. Like, it's just t- unbelievable, man. The same same thing happened here, Boise State. Well, when that announcement came out, they they went and did the same thing and have their student loans been forgiven? No, and so they just racked up a crazy <laughs> amount of extra extra debt on uh, on drinking because they thought that they was just going to get get forgiven. Uh, turns out that that's not the case. It's it's unbelievable. I want to share two things with you real quick, and then we'll have closing comments. This is from the Bali Declaration, and if you just type in Bali. G20 Indonesia declaration PDF little trick to find things on the internet. It should pop right up for you. It says point number nine, we are committed to supporting the adoption of innovative practices and technologies, including digital innovation in agriculture and food systems. That's going to be AI controlled farms. That's going to be genetic engineering, more chemicals, things like that. Uh, It goes on sustainability in harmony with nature. That's what the document says. I couldn't help but think that kind of sounds very similar to what those Georgia Guidestones said in harmony with nature. And that's what they actually say in this declaration, making sure that we have sustainability of the planet in harmony with nature. I thought the Guidestones were a joke. Apparently uh, the people in Bali were serious about it. Did you hear that? Did you read that? I I didn't read that, um, but that sounds about right. I mean, the Guidestones are now a conspiracy theory that probably never existed. They never existed. <laughs> no, they never existed. Exactly. Um, and here's the, here's the last one from the document. Uh, I just want to know what your take is on this. I'm not sure what this even means. Uh, we meet at a time of climate and energy crisis compounded by geopolitical challenges. Yes. Ones that the people that are at the G20 largely are responsible for. We are experiencing volatility in energy prices and markets and shortage distribution to energy supply and they say, we need, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, all these things, energy security, resilience in markets, et cetera. But we also need sustainable, just, affordable, and inclusive energy. Any idea what the hell that means? What is inclusive and just energy? They just apply these terms no. to everything. <laughs> yeah, no idea. I mean, you'd think that it'd be something like Nikola Tesla thought of, which is very affordable energy, which we never went that route. And I doubt we're turning back and, and going that route. So I have no idea what they <laughs> they mean by clean, inclusive energy. I don't, I don't really means, know what that means. It means nobody gets energy. And if you do, you have to have a lot of money to pay for it. Everybody's equally poor, I think is what it means. But just energy, just, I don't know what just energy is. You Like just energy or is it just energy? What kind of energy is that? I don't know what that means, but they put that. The point is they put those words on everything, whether it's agriculture, it's economics, it's energy. Everything is just and equal and equitable and smart and sustainable. None of those words have any meaning except the implication. And the it, it's like in new age uh, 
radio or like not new age radio, but new age conversations, if you will, or UFO paranormal themed stuff. Um, you know, you go to, go to conferences or stuff like that, and they just use the same types of words. You know, everything is about dimensions and vibrations and energy and love and light. It's the same kind of a thing. Inclusive, just, equal, sustainable. It doesn't have any meaning. What is, what is the actual policy? What is it going to do? What does the actual law say? That's what's important. That's what I just want you as an audience to question. Joseph Lavelle, thank you for coming on the show. Uh, final comments, closing thoughts. Yeah, no, thanks for, for having me on. It's uh, very interesting to see all this play out with all these meetings and the G20 uh, documents that come out, like the Declaration for the Future of the Internet. Um, the, the war in Ukraine uh, seems to be ramping down with Biden asking Russia for, for peace talks. Uh, Russia came out today, actually, that they can uh, agree with the U.S. on the need for peace in Ukraine, but they don't want to talk right now. Uh, they basically want to finish their special military operation, like like we talked about before on your show. Uh, they basically want the East for the resources and to basically liberate the Russian people that are being oppressed. Um, they don't want anything to do with the Western Ukraine. They still want that as a buffer. Um Everybody knows this. Everybody sees this. Uh, they just continue to perpetuate this. But now that it's uh, when it becomes unfavorable, things start to change. I've mm-hmm. been seeing that change now. By the Biden administration wants this to end because it's unfavorable for re-election in two years if this drags on. Um, the COVID nineteen narrative uh, that's starting to shift. Um, they're looking for a way out. Um, whatever whatever crisis comes on the horizon. They'll be sure to use that as fear and intimidation, cause anxiety and stress because it's an emergency. We have to do this now. So next time there's an emergency, uh, as an audience, we need we need to we need to look at it. Don't get fearful. Use critical thought. Look back. Question it, and that way we can move forward with critical thought rather than fear and anxiety and be manipulated into furthering this control because we still do have free will. We still have freedom and liberty, especially here in the United States. And and a lot of abundance. Uh, Lots of abundance, uh, even though there's this perception of scarcity that they continue to create. Um, We just have to look for that and keep that that positive mental mindset uh, going forward to how we do have so much and we are so very blessed in this country to have what we do and we need to preserve it otherwise if we do not uh, continue to fight for it then not fight sure. but preserve it then it will cease to exist to recognize that we have these wonderful things we have abundance we have liberty uh, I guess it depends on how you define that word but also to not be willingly um, accepting when we have less and less and less and less, we should want more abundance. We should want to use our privilege, as they say, to help other people. We, we, we should want abundance. We should want to have wealth, not to throw all that away because we don't have any, you know, especially in the States, we don't have any context to what it would be like to live in a world where we don't have air conditioners and we don't have, uh, you know, food delivered with the touch of a button. Like We just don't really have much of a perspective on how the rest of the world lives. Uh, Anyway, Joseph Lavelle, thank you so much for coming on the show, my friend. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, Ryan. Always good to talk with you. 
All right, you have a good night. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. Tomorrow night, Marlene Bremner joins us to talk about her book on hermetic philosophy. Complete shift from tonight's topic. You won't want to miss that. TheSecretTeachings.info, rdgable at yahoo.com, tstradio at protonmail.com. Our yearly subscription, $40 discounted until the end of the year. You can PayPal us, rdgable at yahoo.com, or Cash App, money sign rdgable. Stay safe, stay informed, stay healthy. We'll talk to you on the next broadcast. It's The Secret Teachings, one of the homes of the original Super Bowl analysis, airing exclusively five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. 